The title of my message is Thinking and Feeling with God. Thinking and Feeling with God. We're going to be in Psalms 103. So if you want to go ahead and open up to where we're going to be in the Word and get there ahead of time. We're going to be in Psalms 103. I love this psalm. It says, um, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. But we'll get there in just a minute. Psalms 103. But first, I wanted to share with you um, <laughs> why I titled this message, Thinking and Feeling with God. I'm married to a counselor, if you don't know that. My wife is a counselor, licensed professional counselor. And I think God knew that I would need counseling my whole life. <laughs> and so I got to marry one. And I've learned a lot about our brains and about our emotions, uh, about our body, soul, and spirit. So many things uh, through her being a counselor. And one of the things she introduced me to was the Myers-Briggs personality profile. And we use that in our school. Pastor Amber is one of our coaches. And we use it in our school with our students. So we know what their personality profile is. And just one aspect of it is whether they're a thinker or a feeler. So I want you to think about that tonight. If you're a thinker or a feeler. Neither one is right or wrong. It's just the way God has designed you. But it does cause you to communicate very differently. And so, you know, of course, my wife and I are opposites. I'm the feeler and she's the thinker. Think about which one you are. It makes a difference in your communication. Think about which one your son or your daughter or your friend is. It might make a difference. Basically, if you're a feeler, you make decisions uh, based on your own feelings and the feelings of other people. You consider their feelings when you make a decision. If you're a thinker, then you make a decision based on the facts and you trust that you make the right decision that the emotions will catch up on the other side of the decision. <laughs> Neither one is wrong, but sometimes thinkers get a bad rap for that. But sometimes the most caring thing to do is to make the right decision, to make a hard call and then deal with the emotions on the other side instead of dealing with all of those emotions on the front end before you ever make the decision. So neither one is right or wrong. It's just different ways. So what about you? What would you say tonight? Raise your hand if you think you're a thinker. Raise your hand if you think you're a feeler. All right. And if you don't know, then you're probably a feeler. And you're just wondering about, you know, which one am I? I don't know. I don't know. I like to think about things, I promise. It's really just how you make decisions. It doesn't mean you don't think deeply about things. But opposites attract. My wife and I are opposites. She's the thinker. I'm the feeler. And we make each other better, but it can drive you apart if you don't know that about each other. So it's a good thing to know. But the good news tonight is that you need both. We're going to talk about thinking and feeling with God. So open your Bibles to Psalms 103 if you're not already there. Let's say a prayer together and ask God to open our hearts to his word and to teach us his truth. So if you join me in prayer, I'm going to say a prayer and you can repeat it if you want like afterwards. Say, Dear Lord, show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. For you are God my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. In Jesus' name, amen. That's actually a prayer from Psalm chapter 25. But tonight we're reading Psalms 103. Some translations say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and some say, praise the Lord, O my soul. I already quoted it saying, bless the Lord, so now I'm going to read it and say, praise the Lord, O my soul. Follow along in your copy. Say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins 
Anybody say amen about that? He forgives all our sins. Who heals all your diseases. Amen. Who redeems your life from the pit. Anybody ever been in the pit? Raise your hand. I'll make you feel better, right? And God has redeemed you. You're here tonight. Uh, you're alive and you're here in church. That's a good thing. It says that he crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. You see, we're king's kids, right? Once we've, He's the king of kings and lord of lords. And he crowns us. That's royal language. That's one of these benefits that we want to remember. He crowns us with loving kindness and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. I had a birthday recently and I'm feeling kind of old. And uh, I need my youth to be renewed like the eagle. That gets more real every year. Uh, verse 6 says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord, listen to this, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Are you thankful for that? What if he treated us as our sins deserve? We would just be little greasy spots, I think, you know, it would just be like, it'd be over. <clears throat> It says that he doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. How many of you have children's children? That means you have grandchildren, right? Amen. They're a blessing, right? I don't have any yet. I'm looking forward to that day still. Uh, I'm old enough and so I feel like I should have some, but I'm not there yet. Um, but... You can claim this. If you have children's children tonight, you can claim that his righteousness is with your children's children. Maybe you're praying for a, a prodigal, you know, one that's straying from the Lord and you're praying for them not. Claim this verse for your children's children. It says, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord. At the beginning, he told his soul to praise the Lord. Now he says... Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you servant who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. And then again, he says, to close it out, he says, praise the Lord, my soul. You see, he has to command his soul to praise the Lord. We don't naturally think of it. And you're not naturally going to feel like praising the Lord. So if you don't naturally think about it and you don't naturally feel like it, please know that, that you are normal, right? You are not going to naturally think and feel, of, feel it all the time. Even after you get saved, you're not going to naturally feel like it. You have to tell your soul to bless the Lord. You have to tell your soul and train it to praise the Lord. That's what he's teaching us to do in this Psalm 103. You see, the book of Psalms does this for us. Not just this one that we were looking at, Psalms 103, but the whole book of Psalms does this. Let me read this quote from John Piper. He says, the Psalms 
more intentionally than any other book in the Bible, is designed to carry, to express, and to shape our emotions. To give vent to them, all of them, and shape them, and rein them in, and free them up, and explode them, and kill them when they need to be killed. It is an amazing gift to the church, the book of Psalms. He goes on to say, if you're reading the Psalms for doctrine, then you're not reading them the way they were meant to be read. They are songs, they're poems, they're prayers. There are musical terms throughout the Psalms. They are meant to move us, not just inform us. Something more should happen to us than doctrinal refinement. Now, the Psalms have doctrine in them, and they help clarify doctrine for us, but they should move us. They should teach our souls how to think and feel about God. And if we're continually putting the Psalms into our life, it's going to naturally happen that we just begin to think and feel with God. It carries expresses and shapes our emotions like he said i remember back in uh, 2019 we did a sermon not a sermon series we did a bible study series in our digging deep class we have a sunday morning bible study called digging deep and we did a whole series on the book of psalms and that was one of the most joyful times in my life uh, because i was immersed in the psalms so much and reading them and when i was thinking about preaching this weekend I was like, I want to go back to something from that time. And so that's where this came out of. Now, here's the main thing I want you to get. If you've tuned out, tune back in for this right here. <laughs> With the Psalms, thinking and feeling of God, what I want you to look at it like is a spiritual garden. How many of you are gardeners? You have a garden. Or you had one in the past? Raise your hand. All right, a lot of you, a lot of you. So think of it as a spiritual garden. I told somebody... They asked me, they found out I was preaching, they asked me what I was preaching, and I told them I was going to preach about, a spirit, about your spiritual garden. And they said, oh, mine needs water, for sure. They like, it's like they came under conviction right away with me just mentioning the topic. That may be you tonight with your spiritual garden. We have two of our life group coaches. We have four life group coaches that oversee uh, multiple life groups, and their job is to support those life groups and to care for them. And we have two of our life group coaches who are master gardeners. If you know John Jinkerson or Kathy Hardiman, they are master gardeners. And they could probably teach us a lot about it. It is definitely a learned skill. They've spent a lot of time to become a master gardener. Uh, I can't even imagine. And I love John Jinkerson because he practices the um, principle of first fruits from the Old Testament. So he'll bring me a lemon, like the first lemon he gets off of his lemon tree. He'll bring it to me, believe in God to give him uh, more, and I sure enjoy it. Like the tomatoes and uh, all those things, it's great. So um, let's talk about this spiritual garden. We're, well, we're learning to be gardeners at our house. We've done uh, flowers and pots and things like that. We've done some herbs over the years for a long time. So long that we have these... Um, we have these plumeria bushes. Anybody have plumerias? And they get big tree form things. And we have to move them in and out of the back porch because they freeze in the winter. And it's like every year trying to get it in that uh, back door, it breaks off another piece. Well, you just stick it in the ground and it grows a whole new one. Well, we've got like 12 of them now. So this past year, my son Sawyer and I were moving it in. And we broke off a little piece. We just threw it in the trash because we did not want another uh, plumeria tree to have to move in and out of the, the freeze. But... Uh, in the last few years, we've started experimenting with some vegetables and some herbs, 
mostly in pots, some tomatoes. Uh, last year, or during COVID, I built like a garden box, one of those raised garden beds, and we grew some different things. We've tried okra and squash and peppers and lettuce. But when I think about it, it really got off the ground when a stranger at the store, my wife ran into this lady, and for some reason, I don't know why, she picked my wife out, but she gave her these little packages of seeds. And they're like these special lettuce seeds. I guess they were heirloom lettuce or something like that. And she gave these seeds and my wife planted them. They grew and my wife uh, harvested the seeds from it and replanted the seeds. She's getting into this. We're trying to learn about this. And I appreciate the way my wife approaches it because she's like, if it doesn't work, it's just learning, right? She just talks it up. It's not a failure. It's just learning and we're going to uh, learn how to do it uh, better the next year. But when that lady gave her those seeds, it really took off for us and we started growing more and more things. And my hope for you today is that it'd be like seed that I'm giving you. And the seed that I want to give you is not lettuce. The one I want to give you is the book of Psalms. I want you to start regularly putting the book of Psalms into your life. I know that sounds strange because it's 150 chapters. But I've never done a sermon over 150 chapters. But... Um, the Psalms, more than any other book, help us to carry our emotions, to express our emotions, and to shape our emotions the way God wants us to shape them. And I want that for you, for your spiritual garden. But you might say, I'm not a feeler like you, Rob. I don't need help carrying, expressing, and shaping my emotions. I don't have emotions. Well, if you don't think you have emotions, then you've probably stuffed them down so deep that you're just numb, right? Right? I had a man in my office one time, and we were uh, for counseling, and we had been talking for quite a while, and then he mentioned his sister who had died. And the grief that came over him, the tears that started flowing immediately, I thought she had died the day before. And I was like, why is he just now bringing this up? Uh, but guess how long it had been? It had been 28 years since she had died. But that grief was there like it was fresh grief. Now, I know that we're going to cry through the years, and it, I'm not expecting you to uh, not grieve and mourn. My sister died eight years ago, and I could cry right now just thinking about it. But it's different when you have pushed your emotions down so much that you're just numb and you don't let any emotion happen, right? Oh, my goodness. It made me think just now, I didn't say this yesterday, but it made me think about uh, people that are into the cutting and things like that. It's because they're so numb, right? They want to feel something. And they want to feel something physical. I didn't think about that yesterday. But man, that leads into my first point. My first point for you, if you're taking notes or you want to jot this in your phone or however you want to do it. My first point for you is to take your emotions to God. And the Psalms will help you do that. But my encouragement to you, point one, is take your emotions to God. He will help you sort through them. He made them. And he will help you with those emotions so that you're not uh, stuffing them and saying numb. I have a story to tell you. <clears throat> it's really Misty's story to tell, my wife. But I'm going to do my best to tell you this story. She, or we together, went through a very difficult uh, season as a young married couple. Not just between each other, but we went through a lot of death in our family. We went through a couple of family members that died of cancer. And then her dad developed multiple myeloma. If you've ever lived with somebody that had multiple myeloma, ultimately... He's in heaven now. And he was that guy. Have you ever been through this kind of health journey? Where he was the guy when it first got diagnosed that they did a treatment. And this works in 90% of the people. 
and he'd be in the 10% that didn't work, right? And then this works in 75% of the people, you know, and he'd be in the 25% that didn't work. And this works in 40%, and he'd be in the 60% that didn't work. It was one of those kind of journeys, and ultimately, it was not God's will for him to be healed. We prayed more. We, it, it was not a lack of faith. It was just not God's will for him to heal. But we were going through that season, and her dad dying in this season I'm describing. We went through some years of infertility with not being able to have a baby, we went through some, she was going through some very difficult situations that I wasn't even aware of because she's a counselor and it's confidential, but with her, some of her clients, and she's had some difficult client situations through the years, but she was going through some really difficult situations with some of her clients and that breaks her heart. So she's going through all of this at one time and it gets to the point one night that we're in bed sleeping and I'm already asleep because we've been in bed for one minute, right? I'm that guy, you know? <laughs> I lay my head down and close my eyes. I'm asleep like in one minute. And that makes her mad too, right? So she's there. She's got all this emotion going on from all these things I just described. And she gets angry. She wants to kick me out of the bed, you know? She wants to scream. Uh, but what she does is she sits up in bed. She pulls out a journal. And she starts taking her emotions to God. That's my point for you. She take, took her emotions to God. So she wrote and wrote and wrote. She chewed God out, basically. She was like screaming in her journal, basically. She let him have it with all of her emotions. And it took a while. But when she finally had poured it all out, she closed with, if you can't handle this, then you're not God anyway. She closed her journal, turned off the light, and went to sleep. A couple of days later, her friend shared a vision with her that she could not get off of her mind. In her vision, she saw Misty as a little child, and she saw him in the arms of Jesus, and she was beating on his chest like a little child, letting him have it with her emotions. And she saw Jesus just wrap her up and hug her and hold her and love on her through those emotions. And she shared that vision with my wife. And what a love letter to my wife that God did that and showed that picture to her friend. Her friend had no idea what she was going through. So my wife tells this story to somebody here in our church not too long ago. And she tells the story to her sister, who's an artist, and her sister drew it. And now this is what hangs in my wife's office. It's a picture of that. And I have it for you on the screen. So that's my wife pouring her emotions out to God. And it says at the top of the drawing, it says, even when heartache manifests as anger, your love still surrounds me. Isn't that good? That illustrates what I'm trying to say is take your emotions to God. Maybe that's you tonight. And that's your commitment. We're going to open the prayer altar at the end. And I want you to bring your emotions to God and bring it down here and leave it here with him. You can always find yourself in the Psalms. Remember, I'm wanting you to put the Psalms into your spiritual garden, and you can find yourself there. Here are some of the emotions in the Psalms. Loneliness, love, sorrow, delight, discouragement, regret, joy, brokenheartedness. It says in the Psalm that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. You can take that brokenheartedness to him by reading those psalms and praying them back to him. You'll find shame and gladness and fear and zeal and anger and peace and desire and grief. I put the word trapped. Have you ever felt trapped 
in your emotions. You can find hope and gratitude and pain and confidence. So do, your, do you need your emotions to be cultivated by God? We all have a, a spiritual garden. It's just a matter of what shape it's in. And I want to encourage you to take all these emotions, take them to God and let him train your mind and your emotions with them. It's not going to happen um, overnight. But if you're regularly putting those psalms into your life, then he can bring them back to you. Even if it's the middle of the night. Even if it's one of those nights when you can't sleep and your mind is racing. And you wake up 3 o'clock in the morning and you start praying. He can bring those psalms to your mind. The other night, it wasn't one of those nights. I sleep pretty good, right? I already talked about that. But the other night... Um, I prayed before I went to sleep. I knew I was going to be preaching on this. And I was like, I just prayed that the Lord would just give me a psalm during the night that I could uh, remember and uh, meditate on. So I uh, woke up at one point during that. And I encourage you to pray before you go to sleep every night, right? Watch what you, this is just extra right here. But watch what you do on your phone and then you turn out the light and you go to sleep. Make sure you're putting good things into your mind, right? Don't be watching something on Netflix or something else or whatever that's just, you know, ungodly. And then you turn out the light and have that going through your mind all night. You probably shouldn't be watching that anyway. But anyway, so I prayed and asked the Lord. Well, in the middle of the night uh, when I woke up, I started praying. And the Lord put the phrase in my mind, my soul finds rest in God alone. And that just came into my mind because it's from the Psalms. My soul finds rest in God alone. And I couldn't even remember, remember which psalm it was, but I just typed in Google, my soul finds rest in God alone, and it was Psalm 62. But boy, it ministered to me as I laid there and prayed that. And then for the next couple of days, I would pray that. Uh, my soul finds rest in God alone. And if I was tempted to look at something I shouldn't look at, or if I was tempted to do something else, it was like I would repeat to myself, my soul finds rest in God alone. Whatever else that is that I think might... Uh, medicate my soul, it won't work, right? My soul finds rest in God alone. So I want to encourage you to do the same thing. But many of us are afraid to let God shape our emotions. We've worked so hard to stuff our emotions down and to not feel them. But by now, we're afraid that if we open that box at all, it's going to all bust out and we're not going to be able to control it, right? We're going to be overwhelmed by those emotions. And if that's you then you may need to get some help. You may need to take it to a counselor or a trusted friend or a pastor or maybe sign up for our uh, Living Beyond Lost class that we have here. We have an Acts of Grace ministry. We have other care groups and ministries here at the church. Let us help you with that. But at the same time, I'd encourage you to, to uh, get into the Psalms and to be praying them and reading them and putting them into your life one day at a time. Maybe the application for you is to just read Psalm 1 tonight before you go to bed. And then tomorrow when you wake up, read Psalm 2. And then read Psalm 3 the next day. And then read Psalm 4. And when you get to 150, that's the end of the Psalms, start over. You know, and read the Psalms again and be putting them in your life and asking God. But as you do it, you're going to learn certain specific ones that he will give you that fit your situation. So I'm encouraging you to grow the Psalms in your garden. You'll learn specific psalms that you need for forgiveness, for cleansing, for protection, and you'll know where to go to find that psalm and to use it. It's like putting that tool in your tool bag. Maybe for deliverance, for praise, 
for depression, for some type of attack that you go through. So that's the second thing that I have for you. The first thing was take your emotions to God. The second thing I have for you is to grow the Psalms in your garden. And I'm going to give you an example of that in a minute. The third thing I have for you is that Jesus grew the Psalms in his garden. This should give us some encouragement tonight. He grew the Psalms in his garden. We know that he prayed the Psalms because as a good Jewish boy and young man, we know that he prayed three times a day. And the Psalms were their prayer book. It was their song book. We know he sang the Psalms as he would go up to Jerusalem. Because there's a whole section of Psalms from 120 to 134. There's a whole section of songs that they would sing going up to Jerusalem every year for the festivals. And then, have you heard this verse in Luke 24, 44? This verse comes after Jesus is resurrected. Have you thought about that in a while? When Jesus was resurrected, he appeared to his disciples for about 40 days at different points. And he would just show up in the room, right? He would walk through the wall and all of a sudden he would be there. And on one of those occasions, he's with his disciples after he's resurrected. And he said, when I was with you before... This is Luke 24, 44, if you want to read it later. He said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So Jesus told us that he was going to fulfill the Psalms. So we should be putting the Psalms into our garden and watch him fulfill those things in our life. And then, of course, we know that Jesus quoted the Psalm from the cross. When he was on the cross dying for us, he said, um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he was quoting Psalm 22. So we know that he grew them in his garden. So my challenge for you tonight is to find specific psalms that you can put in your garden and then be able to give them away to other people. I want to go through a few psalms that I have in my garden and um, some of the people that gave them to me. And I want you to think about maybe one of these that you want to pick out tonight. So I'm going to go through several of them. And if you want to pick one of these out for yourself, then maybe jot it in your phone or jot it on a piece of paper or whatever. And take that psalm and uh, start putting it into your life. My parents gave me Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says that on his law he meditated day and night. And he was like a tree planted by streams of living water bearing fruit in every season. Uh, a pastor that I used to work for in Katy, Texas, Pastor Jim Leggett, he gave me Psalm 2. Psalm 2 says, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance. And Pastor Jim was all about praying for the unreached people groups in the world who had never heard the gospel. And he was praying for the nations. And so when I think about the nations, I think of Psalm chapter 2. Psalm 3 is one that Pastor Amber gave me. And a lady named Irene Peeler in Katy, it's been special to me for many years. It says, in Psalm 3.3, it says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You are my glory and the lifter of my head. This one may be for you tonight, Psalm 3.3. Especially if you battle any depression or any um, uh, anxiety that pulls you down where you just don't feel joy. Just wake up sad. Psalm 3.3 says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You are my glory and the lifter of my head. So when you can't lift your own head, you pray that prayer back to God, Psalm 3.3, and you ask him to lift your head. And you claim that he's the lifter 
of your head. There's so many more. I'm going to skip over some of these. Well, I'll stop at this one. Psalm 23. What's, what does Psalm 23 say? You may already have that one in your garden, right? Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Start with that one. We've been give, God's given us that one probably through a funeral, right? Through a loved one. Maybe that's a special psalm for you. Start with that one and quote that back to him. You may know more of these than you realize. Another one that we have is Psalm, I think it's Psalm 118. Remember how Pastor Randy has given us that one when he says, um, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Pray that psalm back to the Lord. Put that in your garden and pray it to him. Tell your soul to praise the Lord with that psalm. Another one is Psalm 51. I've quoted this one more than any other psalm, I'm sure, because as a young man, and even now, if I'm battling temptation or lust or whatever it might be, Psalm 51 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation uh, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And it goes on to say that I might tell uh, others as well. So Psalm 51, maybe that one's for you tonight. Put Psalm 51 in your spiritual garden. There's so many more. Uh, Brandon Baca gave me um, Psalm 63.3. It says, your love is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. If you, struggle with, um, if you struggle with why the wicked and the arrogant prosper, and it seems like the good guy always loses, <laughs> go to Psalm 73. Psalm 73, he cries out and lets God have it. And he says, why does the good guys always lose? Why does the wicked seem to always prosper? Does it really pay off to serve the Lord? Read Psalm 73 and how he wrestles with that whole issue. Psalm 91 is for protection. Psalms 112 is a godly man psalm, kind of like Proverbs 31 is the godly woman. There's so many that you could go through. And then if you just need to praise the Lord, the last five psalms are called the hallelujah psalms. Each of the last five psalms start with hallelujah and end with hallelujah in each one of those psalms for the last five psalms to praise the Lord. See, we're going to have to learn to teach our hearts to praise the Lord, to think and feel with God. But you've got to regularly be putting that into your garden. So what about you? I want you to think about which one you want to pick up and which one you want to take with you. We're going to close uh, with a time of prayer. And as we think about this, uh, I'm thinking about our society today and how emotional people are, Right? Isn't it true that people are more angry than ever? Have you noticed this about our society? They're all about their rights. They're all about uh, their emotions. People seem to be more emotional than, uh, than ever before. We need this message about our emotions and taking our emotions to the Lord and thinking and feeling with him. You see, if your marriage is in trouble tonight, if you're separated, I know several couples in this church that are separated right now. And if your marriage is in trouble, if you're separated, if you're around the wrong people, they're going to be shaping your emotions. They're going to tell you to get that divorce. They're going to tell you to cheat on him because he cheated on you, right? And to get him back for that. That's what they're going to tell you. 
But if you're around the right people, they're going to be encouraging you with your emotions and how to shape those emotions, right? So you need the right uh, people around you tonight. I don't know what emotions you're going through. I don't know what journey that you're on tonight, but I want to encourage you to bring it to the Lord and bring it to these altars as we close. If you would, bow your heads. Nobody moving around. We're going to have a time of commitment. I want to make an opportunity for somebody here to put the Lord in charge of their garden again. Maybe, maybe you've done a commitment like this before. Maybe you haven't. But maybe tonight's your night where you're serious about it. You want prayer and you want somebody uh, to know about it. And you want to make this commitment and ask God to come back into your life and be in charge of your life. I would love to pray with you. I'd love to know that that's what you want prayer for tonight. If you would, raise your hand if you're praying for God to come into your life and take over your life again. And you're serious about it tonight. If you raise your hand, we're going to put a Bible in your hand. We're going to pray with you. We want you to make this commitment. Good, we have a couple. Anybody else want to pray, make this prayer tonight? Another one in the back? We're going to pray and ask God to take over. Anybody else want to raise their hand and say, that's me, I need to put God in charge of my life again. It's been too long. All right, if you looked at me, would you come down here? Let's get serious about this commitment and let's pray. Amen. You have to be serious to come down here and pray like this. The Lord's going to honor this. Thank you so much. Bless you. Amen. We're going to pray together. Anybody else want to come and pray? There were a couple other hands that were raised. Let's all pray with them. I'm going to guide you through a prayer and we're going to all pray with you. But you have to mean this in your heart and you have to tell him this. But I'm going to give you some words to pray and you can repeat with me. Is that what you'd like to do? Amen. Okay, just repeat after me. Let's all pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me of my sins. Please come into my garden. Teach me how to love you more. Teach me to put the Psalms into my life. Teach me to read my Bible, to pray, to show up for church, and to get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Help me to love you more. I want all that you have for me. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for making that public tonight. Yes. We have some people that want to pray with you right over here. If you'll just walk over here, they want to pray with you. If you'll stand with me, let's all close in prayer. We're going to stay in an attitude of prayer and open up these altars. Even if you want to move now to these altars while we're praying. If you want to move now and go ahead and find a spot down here, that would be fine. But I'm going to close out the service with a prayer. And then um, if, you're, if you want to visit, let's go out to the lobby and leave this time as an area of prayer. But like we do in many of our services, let's lift our hands to the Lord and surrender to Him. Pastor Randy does this all this time. Let's just uh, close with a word of prayer and of surrender to Him. If you'd like to, repeat this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, teach me how to be a gardener. Give me a love for Your Word. I want to know how to put the Psalms in my life. Wake me up with Psalms. Wake me up with your word. 
guide my emotions. In Jesus' name, I pray. I'm not going to say amen because we're going to have this time open for prayer. So if you'd like to come down, there'll also be prayer altar people to pray with you if you want somebody to pray over you. If you need prayer for healing or whatever it is tonight, please make your way toward the front. If not, if you'd visit out in the lobby. Thank you so much.